Well, the Holy Spirit is definitely the host this morning. Amen? Do you feel welcome and embraced and nurtured and nourished through the Spirit of God? I have been worshiping all morning if they've been practicing and they've been singing uh, these songs. And it's been a, a powerful morning of worship for me. And I hope that you have uh, experienced uh, God's presence and his power. The word of God is delivered by his Holy Spirit to the worshiper. So in order for you to really hear what God has to say, you have to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is the host as we come to his word. And Jesus said, the Spirit's the one who's going to teach you and draw you and convict you and grow you and change you and mature you. So I hope you're feeling hosted by the Holy Spirit in the house today. Thank you, worship team. That was a wonderful time of worship. And uh, thank you, singers and choir and instrumentalists. So we are looking at the nature of the church. And today I'm talking about Choosing who you want to be around. And I'm going to be in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read from the New International Version. Okay? Becoming family. I was in Minnesota a couple days this week and uh, I want you to know the Minnesotans are astonished and amazed that they are playing today <laughs> I just want you to be aware of that and one of the Minnesotans said I was so shocked and I said you think you were shocked <laughs> I don't think anybody in New Orleans has got out of bed They were gracious. They acknowledged they don't deserve it. So I, I was happy about that. <laughs> yep. So in verse 13 of Mark chapter 3, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is a very, very important text. It's an important moment in the history of our faith in Christ. 
when Jesus calls these 12 to follow him and to be his inner circle. I hope you can read this text and see that the Holy Spirit is at work in this moment in history and that God is doing something amazing as he takes these 12 different individuals and brings them into an inner circle with Jesus. My story is different, I discovered again this week. I've not been alone much in my life. I'm the second of 13 children. We have a great big family. My wife is the third of nine. And I got married when I was 19. So I've been married all my adulthood and part of my childhood. And I never was really a single adult. I love single adults. I follow my Lord, who was a single adult. I love the writings of Paul, who was a single adult. But I myself have never been alone. And the first time I was alone, it scared me to death. I thought, what is this? So I was sharing my story with someone this week. Her name was Emily. And when I was done, she said, my story is so different. I grew up in a home where the marriage was very hard, where we were not connected to my uncles or aunts or nephews, scarcely at all. She said, I felt isolated and alone my whole life. And she found in the church of Jesus Christ the family that she longed for. Now, if I were to ask, there would be many in this room who would identify with Emily and say, I felt that way too. There is something in every human heart that longs for what the Bible calls fellowship, what sometimes we call community. We want it, we desire it, but we don't always know how to get there. We don't exactly know how it is, what it is sometimes, and, and how to do it, how to really be family. I want to guarantee you something. These guys that Jesus called, part of what he was doing was teaching them what it meant to be connected. You say, well, how did, how did Jesus know? Well, the Son of God is part of the Trinity. And there is fellowship in the Godhead. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Trinity is held together by this wonderful love in relationship. And so God is love, John says. And when we are connected and in fellowship with one another, we are enjoying something that's part of the image of God in us. It is, it is part of why God made us for this connection. Now, Jesus is being thronged by people. Being thronged by people is not the same as having community or being connected and being in family. He, he withdraws, Mark says before this passage, to the sea. 
But when he gets to the sea, he's trying to withdraw. But when he gets there, there are great crowds there, and they're surrounding him and making their demands. After this passage, he goes to a house. And at the house, it becomes packed full of people, so full nobody else can get in. But here we have this interlude where he withdraws to the mountain, to the mountainside. And Mark says he's go, he goes up on the mountainside. Jesus did this often. It was a common practice for Jesus to pull out of the chaos of life and find a place where he could rest in mind and heart, sometimes perfectly alone, and sometimes with a special group of people whom he called to himself. I think the mountainside and this whole experience of being on the mountainside is very important. And because it happens repeatedly in the ministry of Jesus, I want to recommend it to you. In fact, I recommended it this week to a pastor who told me, I'm just worn out. I'm so tired. When I get up, I'm tired. And I told that pastor, you probably need to pull away, to get away. Find some place that is your mountainside. Now, I was fortunate in that I was able to uh, pull away a little bit this week, and I was sort of on a hillside, but when I looked out the windows of the place where I was, there was this beautiful lake, and it was frozen all the way. The reason I know it was frozen all the way is there were people walking across this lake, and it became for me a kind of place where I was withdrawing and just felt the presence of God and the renewal of the Spirit. You may have a regular pattern of trying to get alone, but sometimes that's not enough. Jesus had a regular pattern. He had a pattern of prayer. Sometimes you need the mountainside, a place where you can be alone with God, where you can be refreshed. Now you think, perhaps, I'm too busy for that. I can't afford that. And what I would say to you is you can't afford not to have this time. You need this time to let God speak to you and you bring to him your burdens and your needs and you let him renew you. And you can't afford not to find this time and find this place. Jesus withdrew to the mountainside and he withdrew with some group. All right, I know there were at least 12 of them, but I think there might have been some more. But it was a group that was closer to him, that followed him up there. That's how I picture this on the mountainside. And on this mountainside, Jesus gives his call. He called these people to himself. Now, I want you to listen for the call. I want you to listen for the call not only to salvation, but to the work God has given you to do, to the special calling that is on your life. Listen for the call. You say, well, I'm expecting a call. Let me check my phone, see if they called. We, we use the language that way now. To get a call 
is to hear your phone buzz or ding. And now you know you're getting the call. When Jesus gave this call, he sent it out over the airways. He said, Peter, Andrew. And he released it into the air. And the airways carried that call to the ear of the hearer. One of the things that happened to me in my own searching for God's direction is I have this moment of such a clear call to come to New Orleans almost 22 years ago. And it was so clear in my mind and my heart that God wanted me to come here. And it has sustained me, this sense of divine call, that this was my assignment from the Father God, from the Savior, that I was to come here. That when trouble came, and when heartache came, when difficulty came, my call sustained me in the difficulty. And I know that God is looking for people who are willing to stay in there for the marathon, for the long haul. It's not just a sprint to which Jesus calls these twelve. It is a long call. It is a lifelong call. And over again in Scripture, it says, He who endures to the end will be saved. And you have this repeated phrase about endurance all the way to the end. And those of you who are older in Christ, I want to remind you of this, okay? Endurance is part of what God calls us to do. And if we can hear God's call specifically for our time and our place, it sustains us when the trouble comes and, and we can endure right up to our last breath, right up till Jesus comes. You say, what is that call going to be like in my life? Well, we said the Holy Spirit is the host. I hope that you are open to what the Spirit wants to say to you. Because the call is going to come to you through the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And you are going to sense that God is drawing you unto Himself. It's all I know to say. And that God is at work in you. And if you have questions and and you're right now struggling with questions about the spiritual life and the nature of God and what He wants you to do. Those questions themselves are indications that God's Spirit is drawing you. That He is at work in you. And as the light bulb comes on in your mind, in your heart, those are indications that God is at work in you and He is speaking to you and He is drawing you. So as His Word goes forth, the Holy Spirit takes that word and brings it to our heart. Most of us remember when we first trusted Jesus as Savior, what a sense of drawing we had to Him, and a sense of need of God, and also a sense of His presence. And we reached out to God in prayer and just asked that the Holy Spirit would cleanse us, that Jesus would come into our life, that he would be our Savior and Lord. We use all kind of different words, but it was this prayer that, God, I want you in my life. So you listen for the call, and then you come.
they came to him. You come to Jesus. There's a call to come to him. Now, these are people that Jesus himself wanted. He had throngs of people by the sea and throngs of people in the town. He was ministering to thousands already. But there were some that he himself wanted. And he called them to him. And they came to him. They did not know everything that meant. When Peter heard Jesus say, you follow me. Peter, I want you to be with me. Peter did not understand everything about that call. If you are thinking you're going to understand everything about God's call, when you hear the prompting of His Spirit in your heart, you are wrong. There is going to be deep mystery. There are going to be unanswered questions. That's just how the call comes. Just as you cannot comprehend and get your arms intellectually around the nature and person of God. So even his call is like that. Peter and John, they don't realize that Jesus is calling them to be part of a group who are going to eventually experience their leader's crucifixion. They don't know he's going to die. In fact, when he brings it up, they object and say, No, that's not what we envision here. James doesn't know he's going to be martyred. He's going to die in the streets of Jerusalem. Jesus calls these men to him, and they don't fully understand the call. But you know what? They want to be with Jesus. That's what they want. And Jesus is the center of it all. And there are folks in their hometowns who say, Jesus is crazy. Why would you follow him? There are already people who are saying, what? Jesus? He's the illegitimate son of Mary. Joseph and his real dad, you know, she was pregnant. Before they finish the wedding process. So Peter and James and John and Andrew and all these 12 are going to respond to this mysterious call. About which they know some things but a lot which they do not know. And they're going to do so over the protest of some people that they love. And who love them? And they're going to hear that protest loudly. It will not be long after Jesus calls these 12 that, that there's an effort to take the life of Jesus and to kill him, even in his hometown. It's the nature of the call. Someone might say, well, is it really an act of integrity for Jesus to call these young men to himself and not explain that it's a call to death? I mean, shouldn't he tell them Peter, you're going to die crucified upside down. Thomas, you're going to disappear into the wilderness in India and never be heard of again. John, you're going to be exiled in the Isle of Patmos as an old man. Shouldn't he tell them? 
Wouldn't that be the right thing to do? Jesus will reveal to them what this call is all about as they travel with him in the way. He will teach them what it means. But Jesus knows this. For Peter, James, John, Andrew, and everybody, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is calling them to the life that God offers them. And they are stepping into that life. And it is indeed a surrender to hear the call of Jesus and to come to him. It is a surrender of your own expectations and ideals, maybe your own dreams and visions of your future. You are casting yourself upon the mercy of the Lord Jesus as you say, I will follow you. And you are coming with unanswered questions, but believing that he is the one who is life itself. And so the answer you give You give what you know of yourself, and you don't know it all. What you know of yourself, young person, you're going to be accumulating a lot of things in the coming months and years. I responded to Jesus before I had much of an education, before I had much of a family, uh, before I was married before I had children, before I knew a lot about life, I responded to the call of Jesus. We respond with what we know of ourselves to what we know of God. And that's what these disciples did, and that's what we do. And we do so believing that somehow Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life And that he is worthy of our life and worthy of our answer, yes. And so these men respond to the call of God. You know, there's nothing particularly amazing about the twelve. In fact, we don't know anything amazing about them when they are called. They are a diverse group of people. We don't know that they have extraordinary talents or abilities. They're all folks that live right there in Galilee, lots of them around the lake. Jesus is drawing not from a huge world population, but just from a little population here to bring these 12 around him. And these 12 men, they changed the world. They turn the world upside down. They are no, these are the 12 that turn the world upside down. They respond to this call, and God uses them in this incredible way to literally change the world, which He will do in you. I mean, He is about changing our world through us continuing his ministry of incarnation through his people the church reaching out to those in need as he did when he was here in the flesh now through his church reaching out to those in need and so we say here we gather to go to the need why would we say that because that's what Jesus did 
And it's not that we just sometimes go see needy people. You know, once a year, we schedule a foray into the need of the world and show up there for, for a few hours or a few days and then disappear back into our comfortable zone where everybody's got everything they need. No. We see the tracks of Jesus disappearing into the need of the world and they never come out. He has gone into the need and the hurt and the chaos of this world to be the light in the darkness and healing to the sick and sight to the blind and he calls us to follow him. And we see his steps disappearing into the need and hurt and difficulty of this world. And we expect that if we follow Jesus, there we too will spend our lives. And if you want to find Jesus in our community, I suspect you would find him best if you disappeared into the hurt and need of this town. And following the tracks of Jesus, you would find him ministering to somebody who's been hurt, binding up their wounds, waiting on you. You will never fully experience what it means to follow Jesus until you yourself are a servant. Until you've learned how to scrub the floors and do the dirty work and reach out to people who are a mess you will learn the gospel in the process of going to the need. A need in your family, the need in your friends, the need in your community. Now, Jesus calls these 12, and they gather around him. They are going to become very important to one another. They are going to become brothers. This will be a band of brothers, these 12. One of them will betray not only Jesus, but the whole group. And we understand that. Mark actually records that in the call. Lastly, he called Judas, who betrayed him. Even from the beginning, there was that element. If you've ever been betrayed or you feel like you've seen somebody who betrayed the Lord Jesus, just remember there's always that vein. Started with the very first group that Jesus called together. And what he did with these men is he welded them into a family. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the next two weeks. But he made them a family. He brought them together, taught them how to care for one another, loved them like he wanted them to love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And Peter on the mountainside looked over at James and Bartholomew and saw their faces, and maybe he knew, this is a moment for me. This is a moment to remember when Jesus called my name with these 11 other men. 
See, Jesus calls you not only to himself, but into his family. You are brought by the Holy Spirit into the family of Jesus, which is the church. I'm not talking about institutions. I'm talking about fellow followers, other believers, pilgrims on a journey with you who are going to learn from you and teach you as you follow Christ together. So I want you to look around this room for a minute and see the faces of the people God has called you to be with. Hey, this is important, all right? This is important. You may think, well, boy, they look at me, we're in trouble. But, hey, the church of Jesus Christ is intentionally family. He calls us not only to himself, but into his body. Last week, we saw that Jesus nurtures and nourishes his church. How's that happen? He nurtures and nourishes his church through the word as it is seen and understood and experienced in the fellowship of believers. Now, everybody who's incorporated into the body of Christ, that's how the scripture says, by one spirit are we, are we all baptized into one body. That's how the scripture talks about this. So the spirit has baptized we who are believers into one body body. And everybody in the body has different gifts and abilities, so everyone is needed in the body. And because nobody in the body has all the needs, then every individual needs the body. Okay? Now, from the very first, when you trust Jesus as Savior, you bring to the family your gifts, your interests, your abilities, your passions, your desires, your, your goals and dreams, you bring all these things to the body. And from the very beginning, God uses you in the body to speak to other people who have been in Christ longer. That's okay. He continues to use you from the very first moment you trust him as he incorporates you into the body. He uses your gifts because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit that you were given as you come to Christ. And that gift, whatever it is, teaching or serving or giving or mercy. He uses that gift in the body from the very first. But listen to this now. As you walk with Christ and grow in Him, there is more and more responsibility for you to be the nurturer. For you to be the one who sees the role of nourishing and nurturing the family of faith. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the deacons. It's not just the Bible study leader. But it's everybody in the church who must own this family model. Everybody's got to do it. And we can't exclude not a single one of us. We don't do this by ourselves. We come together to do this walk with Jesus. 
He doesn't intend that you do it in isolation, but that you do it in the body. Now, inside of you, there is undoubtedly a hunger for connection, for true, deep friendships, for people who will love you and whom you can love. There's undoubtedly that in you. And you may feel, I don't know how to do this, or I don't know how to do it well, and that's okay. But you must acknowledge, as you see Jesus calling 12, just acknowledge this is part of what it means to come to Christ. It's not just me. It's other people too. And we are called together to this journey with him. There is something wonderful about getting this and latching onto it and making it your own. For you to be the nurturer and strength and nourishment of the body. For you to see this as your role. To grow into this. I mentioned last week that church attendance is on the decline in these United States. I'm not sure everybody who comes to church has either heard the call of God to follow Jesus... Or said yes. In fact, I'm quite sure not everybody has. Okay? So there are people who have been part of churches for a long time maybe. And they've never heard the call of God in their life. Never been convicted that they were sinners in need of a Savior. Never opened their heart to the Savior to forgive their sin and make their heart theirs. They've never really done that. So true church of Jesus Christ, those of you who know that you stand in relationship with Christ and that he is your Savior and Lord and you have heard his call and you have answered yes, those of you who know this, know this too. Whether you like it or not, whether you intend it or not, whether you understood it or not, you are part of the body of Christ. And the body needs you your focus, your interest, your concern, your giftedness, your love, your attention. The body needs you. The brothers and sisters need you. And this year, if we could just step up, those of us who are part of the fellowship of faith, just step up and say, Lord, let this be the best year. Let this be the year when I am well used by you more than any other year. When I am connected in the body, when you use my gifts to lift others and help them grow. Ultimately, Christ nourishes and nurtures his body through you, through you and me. I want you to hear the call now, okay? Jesus says, come unto me, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You heavy? You feel burdened down? Is this you? Will you let the Holy Spirit... 
do his work in your heart and respond to the call of Christ? Part of the call is the acknowledgement we don't deserve it. Why would I be in this group? Why would Christ want me? He takes us just like we are, and he loves to forgive and cleanse. Hear the call and come to Christ. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. What an act of amazing love. Lord, thank you for making it so clear. Your very nature and person and what you intend to do in the world. As you sent your son. That you came to seek and to save. Johnny and Peter and Mary and Andrew and all those who were lost. You came to seek and save them. Lord, thank you that you continue that work of seeking and saving. And calling us to yourself even this morning. And I pray today that your Holy Spirit will tug on the hearts of people. Maybe who didn't know they'd hear from you today, but they're hearing. And God, that you will enable them by your spirit to respond to that call and come just as Peter and John did, coming to the Savior, in whose name we pray, amen.